welcome to Unnecessary Inks, your local YA tipsy book podcast. You got there. You got there at the end. I did. It's good. <laughs> it was a little rough for a minute. <laughs> Even though we practiced. I know. But then we talked a lot before, you know, after I practiced leading into the actual recording. Um, reason we needed practice is because it's been so long since we've recorded an episode. So, for anyone who actually cares about the fact that we uh, took a little impromptu hiatus, we apologize. Um, but life, you know, life's busy. And we do this for fun. This is just for us to stay in contact and talk about books and, you know, and enjoy ourselves. And when life gets a little busy and hectic and personal and dramatic, uh, sometimes we need to take a step back for that. Take a step back from that. So, um, that's what happened. Julia and I both had a lot of personal things sort of hit the fan all at once. And <laughs> a break was desperately needed. Um, but... We are back. I'm not going to say better than ever, because you know what? I still need this winter break to be a break. We are always better than ever. We are consistently at our best. Because we're amazing. Exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm really excited, because today we are recording episode 50. Julia, this is episode 50 of our podcast. We are halfway to 100 episodes. Um, so. That's actually really impressive. Yeah, you know what? It makes sense that we had a little bit of a breakdown after episode 49, because <laughs> squared numbers, what do you do with them? You know, yeah. they're, they can be unlucky. Seven's a lucky number, but then you square it and things kind of get all over the place. What can you do? Um, sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was watching this rom, I was telling you about this earlier, I was watching this rom-com, and the guy's a math professor, and he just started going off about prime numbers, now all of that is, like, stuck in my head. Oh my god. So if I make a lot of weird math references tonight, I thoroughly apologize. Um, but before we get into my weird math references, Julia, how are you doing, and what are you drinking? I am doing well. My third of four semesters is finally over for grad whoop, school, whoop, which whoop, is whoop. very exciting. Um, I don't have too much going on. Enjoying tennis, about to move for grad school to Canada, which is going to be, that's going to be very interesting. I hope that goes well. Everyone hope I do not get COVID. I'm going to knock on wood. I don't need to, but I'm just so paranoid right now. <laughs> I think you'll be okay. Um, I know. Uh I'm just, like, worried. We So our classes actually got postponed. Um, they're happening online. They were supposed to be fully in-person starting very beginning of January. Like, they start January 10th. Now they're postponed to the end of January. So they're online until the end of January. And I'm kind of... Part of me is very sad because I'm like, what if they just decide to keep them online? Mm-hmm. And I really don't like classes being online. Like, I don't mind working online, but classes, I need to be in-person. Um, so I don't want my entire grad school experience to be online, but at the same time, the postponement kind of gives me some wiggle room in case something does happen mm-hmm. and I can't move over into Canada right away. Um, I can still take my classes online. So it's uh, like, mm, up has its ups and downs, but fair. Yeah. 
Um, otherwise, not too much going on. I'm excited for Christmas. Yeah, I have me a surprise too. for my parents. Oh, I'm giving them. I'll, I'll say this because they don't. They're not gonna hear this. <laughs> um, but I'm giving them stockings this year. Usually, it's just me who has a stocking, so I got them stockings this, this year with some Aww. stuff inside. So that'll be fun. That's um, exciting. Kind of cost me a fortune, and I'm a broke college student. But whatever, it's fine. It's been a tough year. Um, yeah, I'm drinking a dry Riesling <laughs> because I'm at my parents' house, so that makes checks out. sense. That checks out, yeah, yeah 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? What are you drinking? How's life? Um, I'll start with what I'm drinking so I don't forget to say it. I'm drinking a huckleberry fruit wine, so call up your mom because, you know, <laughs> she loves her Vermont fruit wines. This is, uh... A, a Washington fruit wine, um, but I got this from a little winery that's just outside Leavenworth, Washington, when I was there um, last September, I think, like September 2020, um, when I went out there with my mom, and she bought me, I swear to God, like a whole case of Huckleberry wine, and so now that I'm back at my mom's house for the holidays, um, I was like, oh, you might as well open up one of my bottles of wine, not waste one of your own on me, since I need to drink this very sweet, very fruity wine. But it tastes good. It's just very, very sweet. It's like drinking Moscato that's huckleberry flavored. <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing okay. I definitely need to spend some time recharging <laughs> over the holiday hmm. break. <laughs> Life and work have been extremely stressful um, over the last, you know, month or so, and I, I desperately just need a little time for myself, time to do some some reading. Um, I walked you through all the books that I bought when I was with my my mom earlier today, but I also brought four books with me for this uh, sweet and easy holiday season. So I will be reading The Blood of Elves, which is the third well, first book in the actual Witcher series, but the third book in the reading order from online. Um, and this is the book that the season that just came out on Netflix is supposed to be based off of. So I want to read the book before I read that. And then I brought um, a bunch of just like romancy slash sad books. We got a book called A Princess for Christmas. The holiday swap because you know this. There's a theme. There's a theme, and then and just mm, in I case, wonder what the theme is. <laughs> well, but then mix it up a little bit, just in case I really, really wanted to cry. I brought "It Ends with Us" by Colleen Hoover, which everyone on TikTok just completely dies when they read it. So I'm excited for that. Um, speaking of TikTok, there's been some interesting developments on the book talk front lately. I don't know how. But you've gone on TikTok lately. I'm guessing probably I'm on zero cat percent. talk now. Like, oh. all of my free page is just cats, horses, and dogs. But it's mostly cats. I, lo- so. I, I love that for you. Um, there's a really cool press package on BookTok a couple of weeks ago where an author anonymously wrote a book and then sent out, like, all of the press packages to all of these different book talkers, And they said, like... You know, I'm also a book talker and I love this community and so I wrote this book for this community. And then in the press packages there were like clues to help people figure out like who the author was and try to get like get to the bottom of it. And then it turns out the author was someone that I was already following. 
Aw, that's fun. So that was fun, and I bought the book, and I'm excited to read it when I get home. It's called A Broken Blade, um, <laughs> if anyone wants to order it on Amazon. But, yeah, I'm really just focusing on escapism right now, if you can't tell. That's been <laughs> my main MO. It's been the 2020-2021 uh, theme. Um, Marvel has also really been helping with that, um, in case people haven't been paying attention. I won't do spoilers, because that would be really mean on a book pa- podcast to spoil some Marvel <laughs> TV shows. But there have been some very, let's say, interesting developments in the latest um, Hawkeye TV show and also in the new Spider-Man movie, which I saw on Friday. And I'm really excited for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe based on <laughs> some characters that have been showing up in recent things. So that's exciting. My nerd is starting to show again with all of the new Marvel <laughs> releases. <laughs> I might actually start reading comics again. I think I'm going to start reading some Daredevil comics because I, I really, I've been like craving that Netflix show again. Charlie Cox's Daredevil is just perfection. <laughs> but um, we need to check in on our other two Daredevils. I Don't know. We? We're so close to re- finishing the first book. We are. We are so close to finishing the first book. I, I know we took a pause at such a weird time. <laughs> we really did. <laughs> like right towards the end. People are like, what is happening with Kate in August? Well, sorry it's taken us so long to tell you, but we will tell you. It's just um, a lot of build up. The tension, you know? Gotta build we, it up. We love the tension. Kate and August love the tension. Those... Those two are on the path for, like, the biggest slow burn of slow burns, so. So much so that I don't ever actually know the match is gonna get lit. I know. I'm like, is it real? Like, is this actually going somewhere? I don't know. I think it's headed for a beautiful friendship. (laughs) Yay! I love platonic books like this in YA. I can't tell if that was sarcastic or not. I can't either, and I said it, so. (laughs) You know what? I would say I do love platonic books like that in YA because you never get it. Like, normally if you have a male and a female leading the charge, doing all of this stuff in a book like this, they become love interests, and so it would be refreshing if they aren't. Yeah. Or, like, have a minor character pop up at the end and be like, actually, I'm the love interest, and you just got fooled for the entire trilogy. Oh, my God. Okay, skipping ahead to pop culture references, but um, 100%, that is what happens with Luna and Neville and then Newt's commander's son. <laughs> or That's grandson, so whatever. You get the epilogue of Luna's married to this random person we've never heard of, and Neville's just teaching by himself at Hogwarts. And the movies were like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> That's so true, though. Oh, my God. All right. Should should we get into it, Julie? We're talking about, because you, as you mentioned, we're so close to the end. Um, so we're on verse four, which is the last verse of, or last part of, of this Savage Song by Victoria Schwab. And we're, we'll be talking about chapters six through eight today. So why don't you kick us off with a synopsis? All right, verse four, chapter six. We pick up where we left off, which is really funny for us because we left off a long time ago. It's but, funny that I wrote that. 
Basically, if you don't remember, August was being tortured. <laughs> That's where we left off. So August is starting to drip blood while Sloane tortures him some more. He starts to picture Ilsa, here's the horrible things Sloane said about killing her superimposed over his thoughts of her. He is trying to stay conscious, and all of a sudden he's freed, but he just sees sporadic images as he loses his mind, briefly picturing Kate outside the forest. August starts to seek shadows around his hand, and Sloane, t- Sloane tells him to give in, even as he tries to fight back. Sloane then informs him that another Malkai is there to see Kate, but tells him not to hurt her at all. August knows he cannot go dark and let Sloane kill him here because he matters and has a life to live. Flipping back to Kate, he has finally gotten all the screws loose. She has finally gotten all the screws loose. (laughs) I was doing so well there. And keeps shoving and pulling until the bar is free. The Malkai enters and realizes she's gone and comes in to look, but then another something kills the Malkai and moves away. She heads to go find Sloane. Back to August, he sees something moving that isn't Kate or Malkai and realizes it is Leo. Leo walks towards Sloane, who is still trying to kill August, and Leo grabs the bar out of Sloane's hand and shoves it through Sloane, saying August's death wasn't part of the deal. August realizes Leo is disappointed in him and he doesn't quite feel relief. Then he realizes Leo made a deal with Sloane. Leo tells August that Henry Flynn is too weak to lead them, and that Ilsa's death was unfortunate but necessary. August says he betrayed the family, and Leo tries to explain that this mission of his is bigger and more important. Henry is human and doesn't matter, and the role of Sunai is to erase the violence and darkness across the whole city and bring justice and cleansing to the city. He then realizes Leo is trying to find Kate and kill her. August thankfully doesn't know where she is, and Leo is mad that August protects a sinner. August is trying to explain that he is protecting the family, the city, and that he doesn't want to start a war. Leo then clarifies that August will be the one to kill her, and the war is already starting either way. Oh. (laughs) Verse 4, Chapter 7. Kate sees a body outside the door, the dead Malkai specifically. In one direction, she sees the outside of the warehouse, and in the other, she sees August curled up on the floor, with Leo standing over him, realizing Sloane is dead on the floor. She grips a bone from the dead Malkai in her hand, and August sees her, and his eyes show fear. Leo turns around with no mercy in his eyes and pulls a flute out of his pocket. August yells at her to run while she tackle, while he tackles Leo. She starts running, but Leo sh- shakes him off and goes after her. She covers her ears, but still hears the notes and stops. August sees the red light come to the surface of her skin, and August, August starts getting really antsy from Leo's music. She starts giving her confession, and August begs Leo to let her go. Instead, Leo tells August to eat her and that he needs to atone for trying to rebel for going against the Sunai way. August starts to go dark, but tries to keep reminding himself he is not a monster, but feels himself crumbling. Leo orders him to become his true self, and August stops fighting and goes dark. Verse 4, Chapter 8. Switching to Kate's perspective... We hear about the calm she is feeling listening to Leo's music, noticing August on the ground in pain and wanting to help him, wanting to ease his pain. She tries to fight the music and then realizes August is getting up with darkness flowing off his skin. 
She says his face changes, all the tension falling away as the blackness engulfs him. Then it tightens into a new body where he looks fully like a monster. Smoky, fiery wings come out of his back with dark horns growing out of his head. She can see his heart pulsing under his skin. It reminds her of the fire she started, how small that started from a match and grew into something much worse, and how this all started with a boy. She tries to call to him, but what is looking back at her is in August. She wants to move, but cannot, her soul trapping her in place. He moves towards her, and she tells him she isn't afraid to die. She waits for him to get closer, but August instead grabs Leo. It speaks to Leo, and Leo goes blank, with something rising to the surface of his skin. Kate describes Leo's soul or essence, and then August snuffs it out. August then turns to her, and instead of grabbing her, dissolves her handcuffs. Then he shivers and shrinks back to himself, barefoot and shirtless and shivering. He is also fully healed with no tally marks. He looks at Kate like he doesn't recognize her, which worries her, but then he asks if she is alright. She answers she is alive, and he admits that is a start. And that's where we leave off. Oh my god, I forgot how dramatic these chapters were. <laughs> I know. There's a lot going on. We have a lot to unpack. Especially um, <clears throat> what we discover in chapter 6, which... Leo and uh, Sloane working together. Which we had, you had predicted was happening in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both did. Well, you already knew, but like, I was getting the inkling that there had to be something going on there. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that that was correct. Though it's (laughs) funny that Sloane thought he was pulling all of the strings and he like has literally no power whatsoever. Well, it was, it, like, if you think of all three of these chapters, like, the progression, it's, like, Sloane gets overtaken by Leo, gets overtaken by August. <laughs> like, no one has the upper hand in any of these. It's literally, like, when you think about, you know, old school biology, when you looked at, like, the, the predator <laughs> yeah. and prey charts, and it's, like... <laughs> The bigger fish eats the smaller fish, but then the even bigger fish eats the big fish, and then the shark comes along and, like, grabs. Yeah. It's just, it's the food chain, you know? So, the, um, the Malkai hurts the human, then the Sunai hurts the Malkai, then the Sunai turn dark hurts the Sunai. Evolution. Yeah, and, like... This, I'm I'm a little bit surprised. I know I'm kind of jumping ahead to the end here, but, like, I am a little bit surprised that Leo wasn't, I guess, more aware of August's character. Like, he never really took time. If he was smart, like, they're basically, like, playing chess here, right? Mm-hmm. And if he was a smart chess player, he would have taken time to kind of understand who August is and, like, what his moves are going to be. And, like, bring August closer to him in a way that August would trust him. And he never took that time, so it comes to, you know, bite him in the butt. Right. <laughs> later on. So he's kind of an idiot. No offense, Leo. I mean, full offense, Leo. <laughs> totally full offense to Leo. I mean, but he's he's never been the brains behind the operation, but he has the muscle to maintain the control. Yeah. That's very true. Um, and he has the shitty ideology to muscle through whatever he needs to do, even though, again, he's definitely not the smartest in the room. Um, he, I, 
when he goes on his whole rant about, like, his rhetoric about, like, cleansing the humans and, like, you know, purging Mm -hmm. whatever, he just sounds like a little Hitler, and it's disgusting. He does. It's so, so disgusting. But it's the same thing. Hitler was not the smartest in the room, but he was the most, he was the loudest, and he had the most weapons and guns Mm -hmm. and supporters, and so he was able to amass all this power. Um, But it does not mean that his ideas were right, or that he had any idea what he was actually talking about, because he didn't. He was a failed art school idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, before we keep jumping ahead what about chapter six (laughs) that was in chapter six to be fair true but yes um i think i am not in chapter six right now (laughs) well that's a personal problem (laughs) um i think that so august's point of view in this chapter was really compelling but while it was compelling it was really hard to keep track of. Like, I was getting so lost in his narrative style in this chapter because he was so unreliable as a narrator that, like, it was hard to follow what was going on and, like, what the actual truth of the situation is and what he might have been imagining. It was very confusing. Um, But it was compelling. Like, it was compelling to follow along and, like, actually see the journey that his brain was going on. Just... Mm hmm so I don't know, like, I don't know if I would have preferred it to be told from, like, a third party point of view, where you actually kind of get the full picture, or if this paints the more compelling picture. I am not quite sure. Um, I think Schwab pulled off what she needed to do, but it was, it was definitely challenging to follow. Um, but I did really like the part where he was, like, finding the will to live, and, like, realized that he wasn't ready to go. Um, I just think it would be great to read it really quickly so don't mind me um so he's talking to sloan and sloan says you can end this said the monster his attention back on the bar and august knew he could but he also knew that the moment he did the malkai would drive the metal down into his chest and it would tear past what had been flesh and what would be smoke and shadow and into his burning heart and he would be gone whatever he was made of stardust or ash or life or death would be gone Not with a bang, but with a whimper. In with gunfire and out with smoke. And August wasn't ready to die. Even if surviving wasn't simple or easy or fair. Even if he could never be human. He wanted the chance to matter. He wanted to live. Maybe that's just me. I thought that was powerful. And then in, what is it, the next chapter, maybe it's chapter 8, I don't remember the exact sequence, you get the exact opposite in Kate who goes I'm not afraid to die like let me die and he just wants to live Mm -hmm. they're so opposite of each other and yet they work so well oh they're such a good yin and yang that's why they work together yeah Yeah. exactly as you're saying they work together so well um I really did like though the tension in chapter six between Leo and August, and Leo is, like, trying so hard to find a way to make August kill Kate and to convince mm-hmm. him that killing Kate is the right thing to do, and you can just feel this tension brewing between the two of them, that they're really about to have this face-off, and I don't know that Leo fully realizes that it's coming. 
clearly, because <laughs> he gets <laughs> brutally massacred, um, as deserved. But it's just the way she builds the tension between the two is Leo keeps trying to find another way into August's psyche to get it to happen, but he doesn't actually understand August. So to your point earlier, like nothing he's going to do is going to work to convince August that this is the only solution or path forward because August knows that it's the wrong one. And Leo just doesn't understand another perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think about Sloane's death? I kind of felt like it was anticlimactic. It was very anticlimactic, but at the same time, like, it all happened very quickly in that one chapter, um, from, like, because it switches perspective, I think, three or four times mm-hmm. within one chapter, which was already, like, a lot for me, which... Right. I, I don't know how I felt about that, but um, I think that, and what one part of me is like Sloane and Leo are both terrible creatures mm-hmm. and like don't deserve like, and one part of me is like they don't deserve to have these huge death scenes, and neither of them really do have huge death scenes. I mean, Leo kind of has a big death scene, but not really. Like they move on really quickly from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sloane's, as you said, is like very very quick. And it happens very quickly where you get, like, Leo suddenly is in the picture and then you get him killing Sloane and finding out that they were working together. And, like, y'all, it's so fast-paced. But I I kind of like that it is because it's, at the same time, very realistic. Like, when somebody actually goes to kill someone and that, I mean, not that, like, we have monsters out here killing other monsters, but, like, (laughs) in any sort of situation similar to that, you're not going to be dragging out someone's death that long right even sloan kind of torturing august felt like it was a a bit long um but i understand why he was doing it um Mm -hmm. it just seems more realistic to just be like okay like we're gonna kill sloan and we're gonna move on you know yeah no i agree i'm it's um nice to not spend a lot of time on the villains deaths because <laughs> yeah. the villains don't deserve to be mourned exactly, for their actions. Exactly. Yeah, so it's like let it happen, we move on. We're not going to have anyone be sad about it. We're just kind of going to have it be a body flopping to the floor and that's life and mm-hmm. that's the way of the world. Um I agree with that. I think a lot of YA YA authors don't do that, which is why it's so jarring because it, you know, a lot of times when we read books, if there is any death, it is drawn out so much (laughs) even if it's a bad guy it is drawn out so much like if you compare the deaths of lupin and tonks to the death of voldemort yeah and granted for harry potter like that makes sense that dichotomy of like how you paint it because voldemort has been the big bad for seven books but it doesn't pay enough attention to the people that we actually care about. Like, no one actually cared about Voldemort. And if they did, uh, we need to have a wholly separate conversation. Yeah. I think at most you could say, like, you can talk about the trauma that Voldemort caused, but not, Mm -hmm. like, his death, like, he's dead. Everyone's happy. They're gonna eventually, like, they have the trauma to deal with, and that's Mm -hmm. exactly what they can talk about, but otherwise, I don't know. Well, and that's why it's it's so important to not focus on villain deaths, right? And, you know, we think about Mm -hmm. it when just looking at the media that we consume, like when we read the news, when we hear things on the television, people spend so much time talking about the profiles and backgrounds of 
perpetrators or people that are committing mm-hmm. crimes and we don't ever spend time talking about the profiles and details about the people that were victimized and like that doesn't make sense and so it's I'm I don't know I'm very glad that we're shifting focus in this book and it's like yeah okay they died whatever yeah let's talk about Kate and August those are the people who we have emotional investment in those are the people that exactly yeah hopefully they don't die (laughs) yeah and also in this specific scenario too like you get Leo rushing up and basically killing Sloan all of a sudden. Like, we have only just registered that Leo is now in the building. <laughs> right. Um, and so now we need the answer of, like, why is Leo here? So even better, like, we just cut to the chase to answer, like, the next question, which is, Leo? What? <laughs> Where did he come from? Mm-hmm. And um, he answers it for us. We don't even have to exactly. ask the question. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you weren't supposed to kill my brother. Die. Bam. <laughs> Stab, stab, stab. <laughs> I just remember reading that, too, the first time. This has been, like, a while since I read this. <laughs> but I just, I do remember reading that and being, like, there was a moment where I thought, okay, maybe Leo is actually going to turn out okay. Like, he's coming and saving his brother. And then it turns out, literally in the next sentence, that it, he, there's a completely he's, different motive there. <laughs> nope, he's baby Hitler. No. Nope, he's like, yeah, like, Ilsa died. Oh, well. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, he doesn't even want to save August. He wants to save the tool that August can be. Yeah, which, which is, is really just sad. So, so sad. Uh, do you have anything else for but chapter I'm glad. Six? Well, yes. I was going to add, like, I'm glad that, so that passage that you read where he's like, August is finding the will to live, and then yeah. in the next sequence you get Leo being like, I just want you to, like, as you said, be my tool to cleanse the city, etc. Right. But August has already built up that mental kind of guard for himself to be like, no, like, I want to be human even if I can't really be human. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was important. But no, that's all I had for Chapter 6. Okay. I didn't have a lot for Chapter 7. What did you have for Chapter 7? I didn't either. Chapter 7 <laughs> and Chapter 8 kind of blend in for me <laughs> because that's where we're starting to see August kind of he's like kind of getting to that precipice almost and you have what Kate I'm trying to remember now Kate is like (laughs) under his Leo spell or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah I I really didn't have much I felt bad for Kate that was a little bit scary um because we haven't really had we had a little bit of her feeling under it previously right but not he hasn't played there hasn't been music um, since she sinned. Yeah, that's it. Cause, so this was a completely new thing. Yeah, because August saw the red in her soul, but then he was like, oh no, shit, what have you done? And then he's been trying to subdue his hunger, and then they got kidnapped. Um, but when he played before, she was never going to be harmed, so she heard the music, she was compelled by the music, but it didn't do anything to her. Mm. So this is the first time that she's been, like, fully immobilized and unable to do anything. Um, That's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did love that, like, it's, like, even with everything going on in these couple of chapters, August is still clearly trying to protect Kate and doing Mm -hmm. everything that he can, even though he's falling apart on the inside. And I was just like, ugh, our boy is back. He is here. 
He is going to protect his BFF. Like, yes. <laughs> Finally, he's got some of his mental facilities back to some extent. Not really, but like his base instincts are protect this girl, protect my friend. And oh, that just, it means a lot. And when he falls apart at the end of the chapter, I'm like, Schwab, stop doing this. These fucking chapter endings on these cliffhangers. Like, how are we supposed to stop reading? I'm sorry, when you end a chapter and you say, he stopped fighting, and as soon as he did, the pain dissolved, and the fire went out, and he fell down, down, down into darkness. I obviously can't go to sleep. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like, well, that's why, like, these two chapters are, like, seven and eight are just blended in my mind is because, like, I kept reading. I was like, okay, well, what happens now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gotta just keep keep going. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay. Chapter eight. Give me what you got. Oh, boy. I, okay, the moment that August is, um reaching towards Kate I really was like this is it like I don't like I didn't expect her to die but at the same time I was like maybe she does die and maybe something happens like oh no maybe there's a resurrection I don't I don't know how the physics of this world works (laughs) (laughs) maybe she's Jesus maybe she is Jesus I don't know but I really for a second there like the way that was building up like she August not August August not August was staring at her Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm ready to die. And I was like, this is it. She's going to die. <laughs> well, to be fair, Harry Potter did die when he did the same thing. So. Yes. Well, so my other thing was like, maybe it's kind of like Harry's scar where like, he doesn't end up consuming her or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he somehow cleanses her of the sin. Um, which mm. would then make sense. And she's like kind of clean and they can continue into the next book and she doesn't have to worry about being hunted by well there's no other Sunai I guess but in the potential that there were another Sunai she wouldn't have to worry about that but like also more for August like because she's a sinner it it wouldn't be as hard for him to be around her Mm -hmm. um so that was my other thing was like maybe she just gets cleansed no (laughs) she just goes after Leo (laughs) the true sinner of this situation I really want to know, like, I'm hoping in the next couple chapters we get an explanation for that, how that works, but I feel like we're not going to get an explanation because August just doesn't know anything about going dark because mm-hmm. he's only been dark, what, a couple times? Right. Um, and he had no interest in going dark. Like, he's right. not going to learn like Leo does about his kind. Right. There's not other Sunai he can go to, like, Ilsa's dead, to find out more about how he kind of works which really Mm -hmm. like that's kind of scary if you think about it like when you really like he is in a true place like it's the idea you don't have anyone to go to he really does not have anyone to go to (laughs) to find out more about who he is no and if Um, another sunai for whatever reason gets created august is gonna have to be the teacher yep oh my god 
Can you imagine August being, like, Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, trying to train a bunch of kids? I would love to see that. I feel like he would be good. Like, if he could figure out more about himself, I think he would be a great teacher. I don't know. He's so, like, calm. I know. I thought Luke Skywalker was going to be a good teacher, too, and then he created Kylo Ren, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoilers if you haven't seen the new Star Wars trilogy, but, like, it's only been a couple years. Honestly, that's on you. That's not on me. (laughs) Um, Um, yeah. What what about you? I had, I just had a lot of feelings about the words used in these chapters. Like, you know, I love beautifully written prose. Um, (laughs) Which is one of the reasons I love Schwab so much, because I just, I love the way that she writes. I love the way she uses language and just conveys emotion and Mm -hmm. imagery through her writing. And the beginning of this chapter is no exception. Um, I normally don't wax poetic over Kate's point of view. Normally it's over August's, where I, I feel a lot of things coming out of the prose. But the way that Schwab describes how Kate feels the song and, like, while she's looking at August and processing everything around her, it was just so beautifully haunting. And I loved it. So this is just another Chantel's corner for why everyone should love V.E. Schwab because she just writes so many good words on her pages. (laughs) And I love her. Um, I didn't, I don't know if you noticed this when you were reading the first time, and it's okay if you don't, didn't notice it again, skimming through it earlier, but I thought it was really interesting once August transforms that Schwab switches the pronouns Kate uses. So Kate Mm -hmm. no longer is saying he, him, she's calling the monster it. Yeah, that was big. Because it is an it. It's Mm -hmm. not August. It's not August. And it's not a gender. It's something less and more at the same time, you know? Like, our basest instincts, but also a godlike figure. Um, And how do you... It's truly a monster, right? Like, you don't call a monster he or she. Some you do, but yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah, I guess if you're like... (laughs) Dracula? (laughs) Right. We refer to Dracula as he. We refer to the Minotaur as he. We refer to Medusa as she. Mm -hmm. Circe, um, Scylla, or Scylla, Charybdis, those are also she's. All the monstrous figures from Greek mythology, a lot of them have he's or she's. The sirens are always women, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But they're clearly monsters. I've been spending a lot of time talking about Greek mythology lately. (laughs) Please don't mind. It's my favorite pastime. Uh, but I just, yeah, I thought the pronoun switch was really interesting to, like, truly convey how different the being in front of her was from the boy that she knew. Um, and I, I like that change in language and the use there. Um, the, I thought the callback that she made to the fire that she started was interesting. Um, because, like, that fire was something that she thought she had control over but she didn't really you know it's like part of this bigger picture and you know she thought she was manipulating this big story but she really wasn't um and so tying that back to august 
she thought that she had control over him too or control of their relationship management of their relationship but she started to realize that maybe she never did and that metaphor back to her old life when she didn't have all the information that she has now I just I thought that that was a really compelling um cross dynamic you know and an analysis on her own part which we always do the best analysis when we're about to die I guess right (laughs) and also interesting to point out like that her call back to that fire is don't I think it's like in that first chapter that we get introduced to her Mm -hmm. and then also with in I think chapter six when we get introduced to August in chapter the very first chapter Mm -hmm. we in chapter six and here we get that whole not with a bang but with the whimper thing which is Mm -hmm. a callback to that so it's just fun she's really good at that oh yeah the imagery she paints the like motifs that she has it's just lovely People need to be studying her work more. I don't understand why they don't. But what? it's fine. It's fine. Um, I also thought it was interesting how the darkness, like, just to read about how the darkness was burning within him, right? Because he has this darkness, this shadow, but then all of the imagery that Kate is using to describe it is embers, ash, burning fire, like, all of this really bright and vibrant imagery, which we don't normally correlate to darkness. But in August's case, those are the same thing. Like, it is darkness and it is light. But light in the form Mm -hmm. of fire, which is destruction. And obviously, like, how the monster is manifesting ties really well to the fever and the burning up he was feeling earlier, like, when he was about to go dark. So, like, clearly it makes sense that this is a burning monster in some capacity. But I just thought the the wordplay around sort of, like, the imagery of light and the imagery of darkness and how those correlate with one another was super, super interesting um, in how August is being described. Because most of the times when we have these monsters or, like, shadow monsters in any capacity, it only focuses on the darkness and the absence of light. But light plays such an important part in the monster that August has become here and that's so unique in at least things that I've read so I just really enjoyed it and I thought it was interesting yeah um I did want to read the description of the Sunai's soul that we have from Leo because I thought again it was really beautiful so sorry for being such a (laughs) read a louder tonight but um I just thought it was really, really interesting. So, hold on. Something began to rise to the surface of Leo's skin. Not black like the Malkai's life, or red like a sinner's. What came to the surface of the Sunai's skin, Kate couldn't process. It was light and darkness, glow and shadow, starlight and midnight, and something else entirely. It was an explosion in slow motion, tragedy and monstrosity and resolve, and it swept over Leo's skin and wove through the monster smoke, tracing the outlines of a boy-like shape inside the shadow like lightning in a storm. And then, like lightning, it was gone. Like, I still don't (laughs) know at all what it is, but I want to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. But also, please don't ever put me in yeah. this situation. <laughs> we're, we're good. But, like, to I have... Wanna, that's the sort of thing I want to see on the screen. 
yeah, like, to see how someone interprets that, yeah. you know? Because it's something that defies description in the way that Kate describes it. Yeah. And she does a really good job of, like, running circles around what it would actually look like so that everyone has to kind of picture it on their own. But it, it hits deeper. Like, it's not just, oh, I can see what this would look like, but it's something that you almost, like, feel in your soul about what it would look like, which is weird. I don't normally correlate feeling with imagery when I'm reading in that way where it's like I have to feel that image and and not just see it um but I feel like it's something you have to experience with more than one sense if that makes sense I'm repeating Mm -hmm. a lot of words so please don't mind me this was my second glass of wine not my first (laughs) Um, and then... You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Reading old notes when I haven't read this chapter I for know, a month and a half. I know, we're both struggling. <laughs> I'm, like, trying, because I didn't want to bring my book with me on vacation when we only have, like, a couple more chapters to read, so I just have it on my iPad, and I'm trying to... Oh, I have it on my phone. <laughs> so... Well, don't worry, you'll have an iPad soon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I did, I want to, I mean, this is like jumping ahead and like I don't actually want to make a decision yet, but how are we supposed to have MVPs that aren't August in this chapter? Because like, I'm sorry, he fights and kills his evil brother, saves Kate, and keeps himself under control even though he's become a monster. What a king! Come on. I know. He's the, I know. He's the best. I love him. We might have I to... I can make an argument for Kate, though. It's not I can't, so great. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I just... I... I've been feeling... If I remember how I was feeling correctly the last couple of times we recorded episodes, I was so down on August for so long, and... Boy came back with a goddamn vengeance. That's yep. all I have to say. And then my last comment for chapter eight. I just really felt throughout all of these chapters, like these are the chapters where Schwab is in her perfect element, right? There's action, but not a lot of real action that she has to describe. So she can bring in her imagery techniques and her metaphors and her similes and her beautiful prose to describe very basic things that are happening that are still action-packed but it's not fight scenes and lots of blocking that you have to do where she tends to get a little bit lost and she can Mm -hmm. just sit and describe tension and characters and feelings and you don't have to have a lot of plot movement forward because that is the plot you know like just the character growth in that moment is the plot so it was just such a joy to read all of her prose in these chapters. I thought she did a phenomenal job. Agreed. I don't think we've said it enough. We really like her <laughs> as an author. <laughs> Say it one more time. <laughs> I'm Julia, Every single episode. <laughs> you need to read Addie LaRue and then tell me your thoughts. I know. I should read it. I'm going to send you a copy for Christmas. Just tell me where you want me to send it. I think I can get it at my library. Don't worry. 
But what if I want to send you a Christmas present, Julia? If you're fine. Also, like, I'm moving in, like, three different places right now, so the the potential that it will even reach me is very low. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> Ebook it <Thank> is. <laughs> the thought counts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. Should we should we move on to pop culture? Yes. I didn't have a whole lot. I mean, not that I ever do, but I'm like looking at my notes. I'm like, I really did not <laughs> do well with pop culture. I wrote things down. Do I actually remember what they tie to? <laughs> Debatable, but you know what? I'll make it up. If I don't remember, it'll be fun. Great. <laughs> Why don't you go first? What do you have for chapter six? <laughs> I have one. Okay. <laughs> it's where... um. August sees Leo, and he's thinking in his head, look at me. It goes, look at me, thought August tiredly, look at me. My mind immediately went to, because I think I've been rewatching the Harry Potter movies, I think it's the fifth movie, um, where Harry is talking to Dumbledore, yeah. and he has Voldemort in his head, and he's like, look at me, look at me! That's immediately what I thought of. So, yeah, that was my singular pop culture reference for chapter six. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I love that. Um, well, I also started my chapter six list. I have more than that, but I did start my chapter six list with a Harry Potter reference. Not the same love one. Um, but Sloane, Sloane's order to Oslo, which is the other Malachi, where he's like, mm, I'll kill her for you, or like, mess her up, boss. And he Sloane's like, do not touch her. Just bring her here. What is wrong with you? No. Reminded me so much of Voldemort, like, reprimanding Bellatrix multiple times, being like, you, you are not allowed to kill Harry Potter or injure Harry Potter. Harry Potter is mine. Bring the boy to me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Reminding me exactly of that. The power trips, man. They're all the same. And all villains. Um, when Kate was, like, trying to, like, hide and then trying to escape, but then, like, someone killed someone, like, right outside her door who was secretly helping her. Because we didn't know right yet at this point that it was Leo. It just seemed like someone was actually trying to help her escape. It reminded me a lot of Juliet in Shatter Me. I don't know if it's the fourth or the fifth book. So, uh, spoilers if you haven't read Shatter Me yet. Um, But in the fourth book, when her sister is secretly helping her escape and, like, knocking people out and, like, unlocking all the doors to get her to where she needs to go. Um, Wait, you haven't even read these books, have you? Or have you read the last trilogy? The second trilogy? No. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's okay. Did you know she had a sister? Surprise! Oh no! (laughs) I I really need to catch up because, I mean, come on. That was my favorite book series. You put me on these books. Come on, I know. Julia. I okay. know. Well, I'm sorry. Um, there's this moment that someone, not her sister, 
what, um, helps Juliet escape, and Juliet doesn't know who's doing it, but she's able to, like, get out of her room because of it. So that's, that situation kind of reminded me of what's happening with Kate here. It's either the fourth or the fifth book, I just don't... I'm gonna go read this after, after the podcast. (laughs) You should, because the next book is coming out. What? Isn't she releasing a seventh book? Oh, that's right. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I can't hear the one that the series me. die. I'm sorry, but this is so long. She did release a new book not related to Shatter Me recently, though. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for spoiling. Whoops, my bad. It's okay. Forgot. I'm. Um, now I have motivation to read it, though. So there you go. You. And you don't know the situation around all of it, so I don't think it's a bad spoiler. True. I, now I just, it's just motivation. Like, I have to find out what the circumstances are. There you go. Exactly. Um, okay, Leo saying that he'll burn the world to cleanse it. Rin vibes. <laughs> Very true. That's a good one. That's really true. Oh my god, that was, like, direct from... I, I think also when I was reading this, these chapters, I was also reading The Burning God, and oh I was god. just... <laughs> no. Rin, our little morally gray character. Can we even call her morally gray? She's, she's just... She's, she's not a, She's not a villain, but I wouldn't say morally gray. She's I would unhinged. say morally bankrupt, maybe. She's unhinged. She has no morals. She's just... Right, morally bankrupt. in her own All world. of her yes. morals have been checked right. out. She spent them all. <laughs> so yeah, oh, big, big Rin vibes. I didn't like it. No thank you. And then, um, okay, Leo was like so sure that he would be able to get August to kill Kate. And I get that he doesn't have... Mind control powers. I understand that. But just, like, the surety of him trying to convince August was reminding me of all of these other situations of, like, mind control or persuasion powers that I've seen in other literature. So, what? Yep. Oh. oh, I have one similar later on. But oh, okay. Um, but so it, the first one it reminded me of was Serena in Vicious, which I don't know if you've read that yet. I did not read that, no. But that's obviously a V.E. Schwab book. So there's this character named Serena who has mind control powers or powers of persuasion and can convince people to pretty much do whatever she says. Um, and then it also reminded me of Piper's Charm Speak in the Heroes of Olympus series, which is like the sequel series to Percy Jackson. Um, so she's a daughter of Aphrodite and is able to kind of, like, convince people to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants it. Um, but thankfully it's not as murdery because it's a children's series. And then, um, it also kind of reminds me, I literally just thought of this, I don't remember the guy's name because I have purposefully blocked it out of my head, but the guy that David Tennant plays in season one of Jessica Jones... If you ever watch that, he's bad. He's bad man. Uses his mind control powers for very bad things and we do not like him. So. It's all villains, really, except for Piper. 
You don't get a lot of people using mind control powers for good in literature, do you? Mm-mm. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, we also have in The Cruel Prince, all of the fae have kind of these mind control powers with the humans, um, unless they oh, wear yep. the necklace around their neck. That happens in Zodiac Academy, too. They have coercion unless you're able to put up a mental shield. Mm-hmm. But that's all fae, I feel like. Like, most fae yeah. books in mythology Common. have some kind of a coercion factor. Yeah. Um, yay, that wasn't depressing at all. What great pop culture references. <laughs> did, did you have anything for chapter 7? I had nothing for chapter 7. <laughs> what did you have? Um, this is barely a pop culture reference pop culture reference but it pissed me off that leo pulled out a flute because i feel like in pop culture flutes are now solely the property of lizzo and it's bullshit that he's making lizzo's move evil Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was it that was the pop culture (laughs) reference i just don't make the flute evil flutes are great more love for flutes. I love the uh, justice for flutes. <laughs> justice for flutes and Lizzo. <laughs> um, and then, uh, do I even know? <laughs> I don't quite understand this, but I'm going to try to explain it as if I do understand the pop culture <laughs> reference that I wrote. So this will be fun. I love that. Um, so, like, because we see in Chapter 7, like, um, August is trying to fight the battle to, like, not go dark, and he eventually loses that battle, right? And I feel like there was a scene in Aragon where we get the perspective of Durza, who's the shade that he fights in the first Aragon book. Um, we get the perspective of Durza, like, from before he became a shade, and, like, was dealing with the dark magic and slowly descending into madness and then trying to not actually let himself succumb to the shadows. But he eventually, obviously, became a shade. Um, so I think the description of that mirrored whatever I remembered from Aragon. Doesn't mean it actually happened in Aragon, but I remember something. So we're going to pretend that that's where it came from and not a dream I had. Uh, who knows, though? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> With Aragon, it may have been a fever dream. I feel like I had a lot of fever dreams about that book. Couldn't tell ya. Also kind of like Frodo fighting against the influence of the ring. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, but it draws you in. It's always going to be more powerful. Um, Yep. So, yep, that's all I had for chapter seven. Absolute nonsense, I apologize. Chapter 8. Do you have anything for Chapter 8? I had two. Ooh. Yes, Julia. I know. Well, actually, I had, like, two and a half, but two of them are on one passage. So it's when um, he is, August is turning into the monster that he really is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. My, it's like, it's talking about how it's, like, tall and graceful and terrifying. The chains crumble from its wrists blew away like ash blah 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 Mm -hmm. smoke trailed over the creature's head into horns milled behind his back into wings for some reason it's not really a direct connection but i kept thinking about melisandre's shadow 
that she mm. gives birth to in okay. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Don't know why, but it was just that idea of this, like, black form kind of forming out of nowhere. Obviously, August is not coming out of a witch, <laughs> but <laughs> it was just, like, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't stop picturing that. Fair. And then, um, also, this is one I just came up with because I just started watching season two of The Witcher today. Whenever The Witcher drinks his, you know, vials, um, mm-hmm. and he gets mm-hmm. his Witcher... The black veins and eyes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just that transformative kind of process. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, like, a lot of sort of transformative things. It's, like, also, like, Howl in Howl's Moving Castle when he transforms into his other self. Yeah. Um, Stuff like that. And then um, the other one I had, the last one I had, was um, (laughs) when um, August kind of overcomes his need to go dark and he goes after Leo and kind of um, doesn't go after Kate as he should mm-hmm. and then at the end it's like are you alright and he's kind of himself again reminded me so much in Ella Enchanted when she's in that mirror room with the prince yeah, and she's telling herself like no like don't kill him I know you want to kill him like because of her she's being commanded to kill him because mm-hmm. of her uh, curse um, and then she overcomes her curse, and the knife drops, and she's, like, freed. That reminded me so much of, like, August, like, kind of coming back to himself, and not having killed Kate, but instead having killed Leo, the true enemy, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, along the same lines, which you need to read these, but whatever, um, it reminds me a lot of Nikolai from King of Scars. The King of Scars duology, because he turns into this, like, demon monster thing, um, because he's been infected by the Darkling, and he doesn't, um, so especially, like, at the beginning, where, like, August doesn't respond to his name, and, like, Kate's not sure if he's actually there, Mm -hmm. that's very Nikolai when the Shadow Monster's overtaken him, especially at the beginning of, of the duology, because, like, um... Zoya tries to call out to him, and he has, like, no recognition for her, and she's so worried that he's gonna kill her, but he never does. He always, like, comes back to himself and is able to get it back under control, so I think it's it's very, very similar in the way that it manifests between the two characters. And then the way that the shadows are described, again, with, like, the steaming and the curling and the movement, still reminds me a lot of Azriel from Akatar because he's, like, the shadow singer. He can kind of make the shadows do what he wants. And then just, like, the way that Monster August is described, I don't know about you, but all I could picture in my head was Chernabog from Fantasia. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what I'm talking about. I was terrified when I was reading it because I just imagined this, like, big, hulking gargoyle monster. Fantasia, period, is, like, a fever dream. That scared, that, like, scared me so much. There's the one bit with the unicorns, or no, it was the Pegasus, which was, like, okay to me, but stuff like that scared me. No, I have legit nightmares after watching Fantasia because of Chernabog. But, like, you can't tell really me comparison, that though. the imagery in the book does not align to that demon creature. It's so true. With the horns? Like, come on. 
Oh, God. No, you're taking me back to a dark place. (laughs) I'm so sorry. But you know what? If it pops into my head when I'm reading, I'm obligated to write it down. (laughs) Um, I also, going back to Harry Potter, when Kate has her 11 o'clock moment, where she's like, I'm not afraid of death. I literally just wrote down, I'm like, okay, Harry Potter with the resurrection stone. I see you. Because <laughs> that's what he has to say, right? To open up the snitch. Yeah. I am not afraid I'm ready to die. To die. <laughs> no, I'm ready to die. Oh, I'm to ready die. to die. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I literally just rewatched the second, seventh movie. and Nope. No memory. Just brain empty. And then uh, this one's dumb, and you probably won't understand it, so I apologize in advance. But... When Kate mentions that Leo's soul is, like, lighting up the shape of the boy underneath all of the shadow, it reminded me so much of Celebi in Pokemon Forever, which is a movie. Okay. (laughs) I trust you. (laughs) But, so, Celebi is this, like, forest sprite Pokemon. It's a mythical Pokemon, and it can time travel and it lives in the forest and it gets attacked by these crazy hunters and then it goes vicious and so it creates kind of think like Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy where it can create all of these like plant structures so it creates this giant plant monster around it that's like attacking all these people that are trying to kidnap it but then you can kind of see like lit up in that tiny little plant monster Celebi just being like very very scared and not sure what to do and so that, again, similar to how I always make my pop culture references, that imagery just really reminded me of that part of the movie. Um, the OG Pokemon movies are great, by the way, if you haven't watched them. Um, they're lovely. I've only ever watched random episodes in German. <laughs> the OG Pokemon movies are good. I would say, like, up through Pokemon Forever are all good. They start to not get as good when you get into the third generation. But the Kanto and Johto movies, fire. (laughs) I still, some of my favorite quotes about, like, how to live life come from those movies. Very educational. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Should we do, uh, should we do MVPs, Julia? Yes. I think you should start because I already know who you're going to (laughs) pick. Yeah, I'm definitely going with August. Um, <laughs> Surprise! Oh, can't help it. I mean, listen, he just did so much and, like, literally swooped in, saved the day, had so much self-restraint, had so much compassion and level-headedness, even when his body was tearing itself apart and not listening to anything that he wanted it to do. And I'm just so proud of everything that he was able to accomplish and everything he was able to, like, not necessarily learn about himself, but just experience and experience in a healthier way, like, as healthy as it can be in this situation. Um, And that Relatively healthy. (laughs) Right. And that he made the right choice at the end of the day, even when he didn't have his full mental faculties. So, um, yeah, I'm just really proud of... Really proud of my boy, August. I agree. He does deserve MVP. What about you? 
I'm going to give it to Kate, which obviously not on the same level as August. Right. But um, in I'm just thinking back in like chapter seven when she's kind of coming back and she picks up the bone of this dead Malkai or whatever it was mm-hmm. um, to defend herself. See, her first thought is like, okay, like let's go find August. Doesn't even really like process anything else. She sees that um sloan is dead and she's like there's august and it takes her a second to realize oh like august is not alone but she doesn't go running and screaming in the other direction when she could obviously she's ends up tethered mm-hmm. against her will but it, it it's not an immediate reaction but mostly i'm also thinking over in chapter eight where she really like faces death she's like yeah. you know what if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die and i think that takes a lot of courage like i don't think i could just say like yeah i'm ready to die like no i would go screaming in the other direction oh 100 percent. that's why we're not gryffindors julia yes <laughs> um so for being able to like still be standing and saying i'm ready to die like if this is what's come to then so be it i think right. that's gonna make her stronger later on mm-hmm. so I yeah, agree. not not the same level, but in the little ways, I think she deserves some recognition. I would also like to point out that um, for all of the chapters in verse four, you've picked Kate and I've picked August. I love that for us. <laughs> we don't have a lot to choose from, but we're making it work. <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> <sighs> I'm right. trying to give Kate some justice because August really has kind of been leading everything in the last few, few chapters. But she's working really hard and she's trying. Like, it's she's not trying. like she's not contributing. It's just she's yeah. not she's a godlike monster. Yeah, yeah exactly. there's only so much she can do. Uh, and she's also not, like, useful necessarily to mm-hmm. anything that's going on right she now. She holds just... a bone against this monster. She's just, she's just bait. That's all she is. Yeah. Which is such a bummer because she has, like, Juliet-level, like, charisma and confidence, but she does not have the power to match that. No. (laughs) Oh, poor Kate. Oh, God. Um, okay, what about your wine review? Alright, so, the wine... In this case, I'm comparing it to a Montefalco Sagrantino, which, if there are any Italians out there, I'm so sorry. I'm sure that I butchered that so badly. But it is one of the darkest red wines that you can have um, from Italy. And it is known for, I had to look this up, but it is known for its darker flavors. It can be sweet, but it lasts a long time. You know, I just thought of the smokiness of August's monster form. Fair. The Sagrantino can be very smoking and very alluring. So for a sinner who is stuck in its pathway, it's pretty alluring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's not. It's pretty smoky. It's pretty dark flavored. You can get your licorice and your acidity. So I would say it's probably. I would give it a 9 out of 10. It's an experience, right? You're not going to mm-hmm. be drinking this 
just to enjoy it. You're going to be drinking this on its own to taste it because right. it's a lot to take on. You're so. going to cherish the experience, but it's not an experience you're going to want to repeat all the time. Yeah. You want one glass and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> How about your whining rating? I'm going to go bottom of the barrel. Like, I'm going to go opposite of where you're going and say one out of ten. Yeah. I don't know how you say that there was any whining or angst in these chapters. Like, Kate's like, I will face death. And August is like, I'm fighting so hard to not to succumb to the darkness. But then when he does, he accepts it and he still makes the right choice. And then, like, as soon as he snaps back out of it, he's like, are you okay? Not worried about himself, not worried about, like, all of the drama or the fact that his brother, he just ate his brother, literally ate his brother, and he's just like, first focus, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just going, like, guns blazing, balls to the wall, does not care, with a bone, just ready to, like, fight to the death to protect her friend. Like, nothing about these chapters is angsty, it's just pure hero moments from both of them the only whining you really get is from leo and it's about august not atoning for his own sins yeah but it's not even really like whiny it's like frustration it's anger but he's not like why won't you listen to me (laughs) which is what you would expect to see from like a teenager but leo's not a teenager right like he's a grown-ass adult monster And he does have a lot of life experience. Granted, Mm -hmm. he's not making smart choices with that life experience, but he's not whiny about it. He gets frustrated, and he just keeps trying different tactics to make his mission work. Um, And then when it doesn't, he dies. So, that's... That's kind of it. I don't know what to say. But yeah, we, we lost both of our villains so far in, in this chapter. Though we still, I still believe, obviously, Harker is some level of villain um, that's at play. So we'll have to see how that gets Well, he's a human villain. That is, in some ways, even harder. Because mm-hmm. it's harder to kill. Mm-hmm. Morally. Monster's a monster, but a human is a human. Exactly. Yeah. But... We'll figure out what happens with Harker maybe next week. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> we'll play it by ear. Yeah. Um, but it won't be today. We don't know what's going on with Harker today. But um, I don't even want to say, like, keep in touch with us on social media <laughs> because we don't post. But that may change. Who knows? I will be alone in Canada, so that might very well change. There you go. Julia may want to post on social media, so you can follow us on Instagram. Please have a conversation with me. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod and on Twitter at UnAngstPod. Um, even if it's just to know when a new episode gets posted. We'll let you know there. And if you don't see those posts, it means a new episode hasn't gotten posted. (laughs) So that's a way of communicating as well. Communicating via absence. It's great. Great method for us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can also email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, come talk to us. We'll be better about, like, communicating one-on-one than I think we will be about recording. 
recording episodes. Absolutely. Because we want friends. We just don't know how to make them sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And on that note, I need to go eat dinner. I'm going to go have some chicken cordon bleu and some salad. I'm very excited about it. Mm -hmm. That sounds delicious. I'm going to go sleep. Lovely for you. I can wake up early. That's amazing. I'm so excited (laughs) for you. Thank you, me too. Um, But thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Mainly Julia's uncle. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you, Uncle Tommy. (laughs) Uh, We appreciate you, Uncle Tommy, and everyone else that may be listening. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.